Let us pray together. Most gracious God, we give thanks that we have your word. That the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, lives among us, breathes among us, and most especially speaks to us through your word written. We pray that through this word we might know afresh your life, your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to rule Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of his God. And they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be the one of peace. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 55. At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This past summer, the officers of the church came together for a potluck dinner, and I asked them before they arrived to that dinner to submit to me two songs and a hymn. The two songs were to be emblematic of their teenage years. The two songs were somehow to be representative of of the arc of those years, that era, or, or personally meaningful to them. And I would compile all of their songs into this large playlist that would be playing throughout the evening during dinner in the background. And as each new song came on, we would guess which song went with which officer. As you can imagine, with officers whose ages span five decades, we had an eclectic mix. Stairway to Heaven, Hound Dog, My Girl Twice, 
dedicated to the one I love. And then two that seem particularly appropriate to mention this season. What if God was one of us and friends in low places? You could find the whole playlist, if you're curious, on Spotify under GCPC Officers Dash the Teenage Years. But it really is amazing how much a song choice or two can tell about a person. Not nearly everything, but something about their age, their generation, their likes, their dislikes, themes and sounds that have shaped them. And then a hymn. A hymn that's been particularly meaningful to them over the years. A hymn in which the lyrics have have in a special way spoken a, a truth about God, maybe in them, to them, through them. When the saints go marching in. Amazing grace, twice. For the beauty of the earth, his eye is on the sparrow. How great thou art. And we went around after each person briefly shared their hymn, and we sung a verse of that particular hymn. And again, you really can learn something of who God has been to a person and even through a person by hearing a hymn choice or two. What would be your two songs in a hymn? And for this morning's purpose, maybe we focus on the hymn in particular. What might be the hymn or the tune that that best gives some expression to who God has been, who God is, who God promises to be? There are so many wonderful songs in Scripture itself where the people of God sing their understanding of God. They have a hymn for themselves that, that gives expression to who God has been, who God is, who God promises to be in their context. And I wonder if we heard a few of the lyrics of just a couple of these songs, if we might be able to play the game briefly and guess which lyrics go with with which person. Listen to the words of this song from Scripture. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both, Both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. Anybody recognize that song? Miriam. The sister of Moses and Aaron. It's sung just after God has delivered the people out of Egypt and across the parted sea. In fact, we read Miriam, she took up a tambourine and led all of the women in singing and dancing at this point. These striking lyrics of God's power. How about this one? My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in my deliverance. The bows of warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children. The Lord humbles and he exalts. He will guard the feet of the faithful ones. Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. Hannah, maybe you recall, was barren a number of years, but eventually the Lord is faithful in giving her a child, Samuel. And and so that song is sung forth just after learning this good news. Again, striking lyrics about God's power, God's turning things upside down, God's movement in the world against every stronghold within and without. How about this one? My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. The Lord has performed mighty deeds with his arm, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Maybe a little easier, since you just heard it 
read, it is our gospel reading today. It is the young teenager, Mary, who carries in her womb Jesus. But would we have known it otherwise? If we're sitting around and listening to a soundtrack of biblical songs, and those are the lyrics, is Mary, mother of Jesus, the first one we associate with those lyrics? I have a sense that many people envision Mary sort of wearing that Carolina blue covering and generally a gentle, mild person. But when you go back to scripture itself and you listen to the song that wells up from the very depth of her soul, it's anything but gentle and mild. She begins, yes, on this very personal note, giving thanks to the Lord who has been mindful of her humble state. But then for most... For the most part, it moves right along the lines of Miriam and Hannah's theme of a God who is quite active in turning the tables on the proud and the powerful and lifting the poor and the lowly, never being thwarted by strongholds of evil within or without. And one of the most striking features of Mary's song about turning the tables is that she uses the past tense to describe God. He has performed mighty deeds with his army, has scattered the proud in their thoughts. He has brought down rulers, has lifted up the humble, has filled the hungry. Scholars point out that Mary's using a a specific kind of tense in the Greek language called the aorist past tense. It's a tense that's able to recognize that, yes, in some ways, something has not actually fully happened. For instance, God in Mary's time has not actually conquered the oppressive Roman Empire from which the Jewish people long for deliverance. I mean, there's in power, but for all intents and purposes, we're so sure God will do it, we can speak of it as timelessly past, a timeless truth. It's kind of like when someone uh, asks us to do a favor and maybe we reply, consider it done. It has not actually been done, but so sure are we of it being done that we're telling the other person, just consider it a past event. Have such confidence in me that it may as well be done. Mary's song bursts with the stunning confidence of of a God whose love and justice are a done deal in the innermost parts of people's hearts and throughout the society. And part of me can't help but wonder and want to ask Mary, does she not recall she's pregnant? And to all outsiders, appearances to all outsiders, uh, it's out of wedlock in a society that one can be killed for such action. Does she not recognize just the grip of power the Roman Empire has that that Herod the Great has, this regional puppet of the empire? Is, Is Mary so profoundly unaware of her circumstances? Or is this a genuine song of faith? And if so, how is such a song of courage and confidence, birthed when the circumstances give one every single reason not to have faith. Where does a song like Miriam's or Hannah's or Mary's, where do they come from? The truth is, I'm not sure Mary's song was always Mary's song, or at least she couldn't see it for a while. If we back up in her story, we may recall that just after Mary gets word that that she's going to be the one who gives birth to Jesus, she hurries to an unnamed town in the hill country of Judea to her much older cousin, Elizabeth, who is far past childbearing age, but God has granted her in her old age to bear a child we know as John. 
And as we've mentioned in part already, Mary is an unwed young female with no social standing. Now she's pregnant in a religiously conservative society that has prerogative by law to kill her for this unwed pregnancy, or at least shun her in isolation and poverty if she makes it through with the child. Now, on top of these realities, traveling in antiquity for any purpose other than religious purpose was considered suspect and deviant behavior. You recall Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan? It reminds us how troubling the roads can be. And yet, Mary seems to know it's an almost certain death sentence to stay put, slightly better odds of risking a fairly unheard of journey, and so she goes in haste. We read quickly with good reason to fear. And she journeys to Elizabeth. Whom we read is filled with the Holy Spirit. And what a gift, isn't it? When our fear encounters one filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember the very first time that I preached Knox Presbyterian Church, Pasadena, California, a sermon on John chapter 20, Jesus' resurrection, and how he's talking with Mary Magdalene, Magdala in the garden. I stood behind the pulpit, and I could feel myself visibly shake. And I read directly from the manuscript, Mary thought Jesus was a gardener. And every now and again, my communication class would kick in, and I'd remember, eye contact! But then I'd really get nervous, because now I've lost my place in the manuscript. Nothing, even remotely, on the scale of what Mary has to fear in our stories. But 18 minutes of a very quickly paced sermon, fueled largely by fear. And afterwards, this retired minister in his late 70s who'd been filling in a couple weeks uh, a month in this church, the church was looking for a pastor, he comes up to me. He puts his arm around me and he goes, you have a gift for preaching. You need to keep up with this. And I wanted to say, did you not just hear this? Did you not just watch that? And then, and then, part of me, some small part of me recognized he was not necessarily really talking about one particular sermon. He was something, no, simply noting something behind all the layers of fear and inadequacy that he saw that was actually not of me, something over which I had no control. He saw a particular way God wanted to work through me, and he took the time to draw near me, to put his arm around me, and to name the blessing of God over which I had no control, and how he saw the blessing right there. Have you ever known another to come alongside you right in the midst of total fear or failure or doubt? And they name the blessing of God upon you. They, they name your gift in this really fresh way. It's not that they just say sort of a benign good job and you'll get it next time, that encouragement. Somehow, they they look into your soul and they name the belovedness of God in you. They name this gift over which you really have no control, but there it is, God's given it to you. They name it to you and for you. And how special, I think, in particular, when a person from a generation or two above our own is able to come alongside us. Because they've seen more, they've experienced more seasons of life, they've discerned more gifts. What a thing when they of all people name 
the blessing. Mary arrives in fear to the much older Elizabeth who is filled with the Holy Spirit, which means she has vision. She sees below the presenting layers of fear and reasons to judge. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mary's blessed status has nothing to do with wealth or health or hard work. It has to do with the simple fact that God has chosen her. Chosen to work through her in a very specific way for just such a time as this. And then you heard Elizabeth adds to that. And blessed is she, Mary, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So Mary is blessed first simply because God has chosen to work in her and through her in a specific way. She's blessed a second time. Because even amid her great fear, she has chosen to believe that God has chosen her for this task. It is then that Mary's soul is filled with the sense that that no stronghold of evil within or without stands a chance against God. It is then that Mary's song is born. It is out of a response to the grace of Elizabeth. Grace enlivens the courageous song. Grace enlivens the confident song. Grace gives fresh eyes to see God's mighty work at hand within and without. Grace is what fuels the song. This season we do a lot of gift giving. What if the best gift we might give another is to name for them their blessedness? The way or ways that we see God has gifted them, and they really have no control over it except to receive it, believe it, animate it. What if the best gift we give someone this season is to look right into all of the very real and fearful and chaotic circumstances of lives and situations And nevertheless, still see the blessing of God in and upon another. And to name that to them. What might sing forth from a life that hears that grace? What strongholds might suddenly become smaller because they've known God becoming greater within? Because of you, Elizabeth. And what if amid all of our gift-giving... We also allowed ourselves to remain open to receive that kind of gift from another. What if the primary gift God would give us in this season is that of another who speaks into our lives, our blessedness, our gifts over which we have no control. God has just generously, lavishly given them unto us. Because what a thing when the soul feels its worth. I think when that moment happens, when the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ fills us afresh, the songs of Miriam and Hannah and Mary, they stop sounding just a little bit foreign to our ears. Instead, they start to sound like the courageous and joyful songs we might choose. The ones that really do say something so very true about who God has been about who God is in our lives in this world, about who God will be. My soul glorifies the Lord. 
And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Amen. Amen.